Welcome to the Good Life Podcast, 30 Minutes With. I'm your host, Tim Cadney. Today, my guest is Senior PT Divisional Manager, Eric Wonkai Pun. We're going to learn about the whole brain PT approach, share tips on how a new trainer can be successful, plus how Olympic lifting can impact you as a trainer. Welcome to the show, Eric. So let's dive right into getting to know you um, and more about you, I should say. So tell us your tell us your journey with Good Life. Yeah, I celebrated my 40th uh, birthday just this past weekend. So I'm Happy going birthday. to my story is going to make me feel my age. Um, <laughs> um, I started back in 2006. Honestly, I was looking for a short-term job before I went back to school. So at the time, when I applied to Oakville, um, there was no fitness manager in place. So I was interviewed by Dwayne Smith, the general manager of the club. A fun story is I won him over telling him how when I was an English teacher in Japan, I was teaching seven-year-old clients rap lyrics. And then eight weeks later, they did a rap battle. So that, I think that won him over entirely. And that's how I got the job. Because <laughs> I know onboarding a PT when you're a general manager is really hard work. So I huge shout out to Dwayne for giving me that chance. Nice. I had previous experience, phys ed degree and life science degree, but because I wasn't certified, um, I started off at level one. Within the first two years, I went quickly from level one to level four. I became the fitness manager. When the FM was hired on, left, and I didn't want to do it. My teammates said, Eric, you got to step up because we don't want an outsider coming in. Um, was blessed and did well with the team. Became a cluster manager, PT regional, senior PT regional, divisional, and now senior divisional manager. My passion has always been the education side of things. And I and so I also do that on the side and keep um, the education things going for the PT department. That's great. You know, you, you said something really interesting, which is you were a PT, the FM left an opportunity to become the FM, but you didn't want to. And I think we see this quite a bit in the progression or the ladder in the PT side of things. So what was that hesitancy for you? Um, a few fold. The first hesitancy was I didn't really love the sales component. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I loved the training and I thought I, w I still had so much to grow and learn. I wanted, there was that, at the time I was elite plus, which is level four currently. That's how, that's how dated I am. Um, <laughs> I wanted level five. I wanted to earn that first before going to management. And the other part was an imposter syndrome. I didn't think I was good enough to lead a team of people who had been there longer than I was. So that was something that held me back. So what did you do to get over the imposter syndrome? Um, dove in. Education. Mm -hmm. Took all the courses. And I, I, I built up a team of bringing the top two or three trainers and having them meet with me every month. Right. Because I wanted to be collaborative. So, okay, let's meet. What are your ideas? What do you see is working well? What am I doing that's not hitting home with you? And that allowed me to really leverage their strengths and build more of a buy-in. And that's really smart. I like that because, you know, it, was, it reminds me of the episode we, we just had with with Alice and talked about it's it's okay to walk into a place or walk into a position and not know everything. And I like that you surrounded yourself with the top two trainers. Um, you know, also you created a bit of a, a good alliance and, and show their support to help the rest come on board with you as well. So really good. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about education and, and I'm really excited that you're going to kind of take us through something that I'm not too familiar with. So you're going to take us through the whole brained personal training approach. And, you know, in, in preparing to talk to you today, I found a great quote about the brain from Ernesto uh, Bertarelli. And he says, you can't change who you are, but you can change what you have in your head. You can refresh what you're thinking about. You can put some fresh air in your brain. So walk us through the whole brain personal training approach. Yeah, for sure, Tim. Um, I was really able to crystallize this idea during the first round of lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the place to start is that it's called personal training for reason. People come in with different experiences, different goals, and different abilities. Being a PT means in the good life model, I'm spending 100 to 150 hours a year 
one-on-one with a client. So we have the opportunity through frequency and volume to be truly impactful. Like Tim, for you, how many people do you spend with that are really focused on you and your goals 100 plus hours a year? Other than family and not many. And so that's the impact we can have as personal trainers, right? So it goes beyond the reps, set, rest intervals. There is the science behind it. There is the training side of things. But that right half of the brain, your empathy, your caring is critical for you to truly have an impact. It doesn't matter how much you know until people know you care. I view personal training as requiring four pillars, the four legs of the chair, if you will. All four need to be strong. Otherwise, you're at risk of failing or leaving the industry. So for me, it's business, whether it's a sales component, whether it's managing your schedule, whether it's managing client retention and your assessments, program design, how you put together your periodization, your programs. How do you change the workout? If someone comes in having a rough day, how do I on the fly change up the workout because I can see in their eyes I can't go for the five rep maxes today. Coaching, and this is more important in 2021 than it's ever been before. How do you coach and connect really well and meet people where they are every single day when they come in to see you? And the last one's exercise technique. So we know that the technical side of things can be a rabbit hole and it's important. So let's make sure that we're doing no harm. So that's, I really like these four pillars, business program design, coaching, exercise technique. So what would you say is that one leg of the chair that a lot of trainers potentially could miss and walk away? Like you said, at Good Life, we do a great job of tackling the business in your onboarding program design as well. Exercise technique is peppered in throughout your years. The coaching side of things is the area we needed to work on. And we are tackling this year um, because, and I think that's where learning to coach and connect. When we think of coaching, we think of lifestyle coaching, whether it's your nutrition, your stress, your sleep, and that's important. But coaching is also, how do I word things? Mm-hmm. How do I choose whether it's extrinsic or intri- intrinsic cues? Simple cues like squeeze your glutes or close the door with your butt have different effects with different people and different clients in their journey. So choosing the right language and focusing on praise constantly with our clients as opposed to their weaknesses. That's where we have the biggest room for improvement in our industry, in my opinion. And it's, yeah, you know, it's so true because I, I think we have to be adaptable. We have to really understand that not every one person's the same. And it's like you said in the very beginning, you're going to spend 150 plus hours with this person. You need to really understand and know this person. So when we're taking what you were talking about with the whole brained approach, so how does that tie into those gaps that you were just mentioning? Well, part of it is that when you're streamlining your education, do you know, are you self-aware? Have you gotten feedback on what you're really good at and what you need to work on? Strength Finder 2.0 is one of the best books I've ever invested in. And it talks about f- focus on your strengths and manage your weaknesses. So the four pillars, what are my strengths? Okay, let's market those strengths. Let's leverage those strengths. And then let's spend enough time so that I get good enough to make sure my weaknesses are no longer holding me back. What kind of structure do I need to place? Let's say maybe I need an app to help me with scheduling. Okay, let's get that taken care of. Or if I need, if I know coaching is an opportunity, okay, what can I sign up for? What courses can I jump into? Who can mentor me to help me get better at this? A lot of our trainers do amazing when they invest in training themselves. Choosing who they train with and what their skill sets are is critical to making sure they can succeed long term. Building the business. I mean, and that's really what personal training is. It's your, you're a business owner. You have your own clients. They're coming to you. They're working directly with you. That's who they want to train with. And that's where our renewals will eventually come from. So what would you say is the best steps to start building a business as a personal trainer? The first step is thinking long term. Okay. It's 
through the strategies we teach at Good Life, it's easy once you dive in to really gain clients. People want our help. So when we do consultations, understand that a lot of people want help. That's not the issue per se. It's let's plan ahead. So how can I create a business which is long-term referrals and renewals? And that comes through service. So one of the best books I've read over the years is Never Lose a Customer Again. I think, Tim, you read it as well, right? Yeah. So as a trainer, I recommend dive into that book, dive into the strategies of how can I create such an amazing service that everyone's shouting from the rooftops how amazing it is so I don't have to do any marketing and sales work. The clients you have service them really well. When I was a new trainer, I wasn't confident. I asked for help. I asked my fitness managers or my friends around me, what can I do to get better? That's another part is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'm going to figure this out over the next week and get back to you. Let's talk a little bit about that second pillar program design, because I think this is the challenging one because you have to have, well, you have to have extensive knowledge in terms of being able to create a good program. You also have to really understand the person that you're going to be Mm -hmm. training. And sometimes I I feel, or, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like a, a trainer could just kind of gravitate towards what they know and what they're comfortable with. So, you know, we just came out of, you know, a great conference, the Canfit Pro Global Conference, and there's so much insight to the science behind programs and designing specific programs. So what do you say, what would you say is is fundamental in program design? The first step is don't overcomplicate things. We can go into social media, we can go into a conference and say all these new amazing ideas, and they are awesome. They're great. But those are about fine tuning the last five, 10% of programming. The basic works really well. So when I'm designing a program, the first thing I have to figure out is how often is this client going to train? And through my coaching and business side of things, adherence is key. So I got to get my clients coming in at three, four times a week to truly have an impact on them. So that's step one is determining the frequency, which they can commit to long-term as opposed to having them train five, six days a week and potentially burning out from there. It's for, for me, program design is geared around a client's goal. Where do they want to get to? Okay, let's reverse engineer that process. Here at Good Life, we teach skill acquisition. So first off, do no harm. Make sure they acquire the skills to allow for a long runway of development. I can do it faster. I can get results quicker if they want to have a weight loss goal or a muscle gain goal, but they're going to hit a plateau. So let's set it up in a way where their squat, bench, deadlift, whatever their big movements they want to tackle are, are really solid and can constantly progress over the years. And then from there, the program will involve some sort of periodization. But understand that if your client's only coming one and a half times a week, there's no point in periodizing. You should just deliver a good work at that point. You should, you should focus on the business side of things to get them to come in more often. And that's where your programming can really shine. You know, we're recruiting heavily for new personal trainers. What would you say is essential for a new personal trainer to create yeah. an exceptional experience because you talked about it's it's really that experience that that person's going to have with you we want our new trainers to be super successful so what would you say are those key elements to creating a really exceptional service i take a step back and say what does it take for a personal trainer for someone to be a great personal trainer they have to have, to have passion for fitness mm-hmm. they have to have a passion for helping others and if i have a passion for learning Those are the three passions we look for. So sometimes you have people jump into the role that, okay, I'm great at working out. I've gotten these great results. That doesn't always make you a great trainer. That passion for fitness, that's there already. But are you really in it to help others? To not overpromise, to, and also be able to say, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to find out. So constantly learning is critical. Constantly saying, I can research it. And it's so much easier than it was. 
10, 20 years ago, whether it's PubMed, whether it's Mass, whether you go to PN Academy, there's so many great resources where you can constantly learn at a really discounted price. Right. That's where I start. And then in terms of the actual experience, they have to leave the session better than when they came in, in a better mood and feeling accomplished and having won. It's not about tearing people down. It's about building people up. I guess I would say it's, it's very overwhelming now for, for people because you, you mentioned that, you know, the information is so readily available for us to learn and grow and develop as, as the personal trainer. But then I also look what's out there for the potential client. And, you know, they're inundated with ads for Noom or we'll develop this program for you, enter in all your information, go through all these different pages of questions, and then all of a sudden you're going to get the magical cure from an app or from a website. So let's transition to you speaking directly to clients or potential clients or people that are thinking about personal training. Why work with an actual personal trainer when you know, they see this advertising and marketing and it seems so simple and it seems easy. The major difference is the personalization. Like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like social media right now. It's like drinking from a fire hose, right? <laughs> There's just so much information out there that's just bombarding us. So the first thing is, can we personalize it and really make it about what you want? And then it's about the accountability and the encouragement every step of the way. If, pers- if following a program was easy, everyone would be doing it. But we know frequency of members coming to the gym, unfortunately, isn't where it needs to be. Like I've seen studies pop out where it's 1.8 times a month. People get deflated. People get frustrated. Life takes over. So they don't make it a priority. With personal training, the most important thing we can do is help create that schedule and accountability of having that, that appointment and that person beside you to help motivate you to want to come in session after session after session. And then the program design, the exercise technique, all that stuff helps prevent plateaus, helps reduce the risk of injury so that you can constantly see progress throughout the year. Most importantly, though, the approach we use here at Good Life is that it's about the long game. So it's not just about can we get a six-week weight loss off program. Right. It's how do you make fitness and training part of your identity? And it's just second nature to you. Yeah. And it's it's so true because right now the big conversation out there is how are gyms going to be impacted by the at-home experience, right? The Pelotons, the, um, you know, the on-demands that people have been experiencing or that would be their only outlet during the lockdown. But I really feel there needs to be that one-on-one attention. And, you know, not only just the program design, but you talked about the exercise technique. And I think that's the one thing that people don't realize that they're missing. And, and it's imperative. It's vital to their health and well-being is to make sure they're doing it properly. If they're not doing it with proper form, they risk major injury. And and the other element too is, is the gym is the place where you work out. You go there, everybody's doing it. It's sense memory. It's like, okay, I'm going to follow suit. Whereas home, there's a lot of things to distract you and take you away from it. Exactly. And when you hire PT, you have a champion in your corner. Mm-hmm. You have a coach in your corner, right? There are so many things that can pull us away from training, from our training, from our fitness goals. Having that person who's in your corner constantly, who sees you 150 times a year, that has a massive effect on your ability to stick with a program and get the results you want long-term. So I agree with you 100%, Tim. We, we know that with members coming back, there's so many people who have been tearful, who've been so, it's so awesome to be back with their trainer. They were able to do access virtual workouts via Instagram, via whatever it is, via T Nation, via Bible.com, but it wasn't the same experience. And that sense of community it's critical for us. We, we 
crave it. You know, I want to transition a little bit and talk about uh, you again in terms of your competition in powerlifting or competing in powerlifting. And so where did this start? I've always been competitive from my backgrounds in sports, martial arts, but injuries, like my shoulder popping out six times on my right side, all that put to rest, right? Back in 2013, my old bo- my boss, Brody, um, started mock competitions. Every can fit, we get together on a Saturday morning, go to Richmond and John Club, and we lift, right? So, for example, my first meet, I went too aggressive. I opened my bench press, and I got pinned. So I bombed out of the meet entirely, and I was ridiculed for a year, if not two years afterwards. Being an athletic background person, that drove me. So every year, we, we, we do it. I did my first real competition in 2016 up in Ottawa in a competition hosted by Chris Fudge um, and competed on and off throughout the years. And I jumped into Olympic lifting just as a different challenge in 2019 because for myself, we were bringing that those kind of courses into the company. Well, as a senior leader and someone in charge of education, I better walk talk myself. Yeah, and so I mean, there's a there's a different mindset that goes into powerlifting. And I know I had the opportunity to work with you and Brody in person. And, and this is the other thing too, this element of, of if you're going to compete, you need to be coached and you need to be trained for this style of lifting. So, you know, you, you talked about bottoming out in your, your first opportunity in, in this sort of internal competition with Good Life at the Richmond and John location. So how did powerlifting and then moving into Olympic lifting change you as a trainer? Competing really sharpened my knowledge on peaking for events, deloads, peak weeks, okay? It also opened up my eyes to different ways of training for body composition. Mm-hmm. So the results we saw when training for powerlifting, for Olympic lifting, um, were different, were variant. And I really found that if I wanted body composition changes, Olympic lifting got me great results. I didn't have to go through endurance training or high reps, small stuff. It also made me aware that strength and conditioning is different than personal training. So how can I take the best of both worlds? When I'm talking to an athlete and I tell them, kick a tree, their answer is how many times and for how long? That's not going to work with a grandmother of three who's walking in and saying, I, I had a doctor's appointment and I need to lose weight despite the fact I don't want to. So blending some of the knowledge we have from strength conditioning, but putting it into personal training. So for example, when we teach courses now, it's no longer do a barbell back squat, but is a safety bar squat a better tool for you. So all these things came from myself pushing myself. And I'll be honest, I broke a few times. Mm-hmm. My shoulder pop, my shoulder had injuries, or I had my SI joint acting up. That trial and error forced me to get better at the rehab component and the training side of things. You know, and, and I think this is, you know, we, we've just come out of the Olympics. You know, people have seen the Olympic lifting. We know, you know, with now the platforms and the bumper plates within our clubs, like, like, what would you suggest to people if this is something they want to do and they want to try? Like, and personal trainers, definitely, because you know, a lot of them are, are kind of gravitating towards this. Like, what's the first step? What do they need to know before they even start doing this? Um, take a beginner's mindset and be okay with the fact that you're not going to be great at it right away. Okay. The next component is hire a coach. Mm-hmm. Olympic lifting, especially powerlifting can get away with self-learning potentially. And then eventually once you get really good at it, hire a coach with Olympic lifting. It's such a speed movement. There's such minute details. Film yourself constantly to give yourself that critical eye of, okay, I pulled my, I bent my elbows too early. I missed my hips here. And then hire a coach who can give you that feedback, whether it's a remote coach or online coach, or whether it's an in-person coach, if you have one amazing coach close by hire coaches that are really good at that because Olympic lifting in itself is separate from the other parts of personal training. 
And so, you know, and I, and I liked what you talked about in terms of like the different elements that go to it. Cause you know, I was watching it uh, happen in Tokyo and, you know, I was watching the, the Olympic lifting and, you know, there's that moment where they didn't complete the weight that they wanted to complete. They go away for a short period of time and then they come back in and it's like, what are those adjustments that they're making? So what is the kind of like science behind it? Um, there's a whole lot that goes into it. Um, like when you watch Olympics, it's crazy to think that they're having to recover in a minute or two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So usually for the neurological system to recover, it takes three to five minutes. So they've trained this first off at a level, which is just beyond the average person, way beyond that, that they can actually go again at a super heavy weight within a minute or two minutes. With Olympic lifting, it's about a vertical pull. It's about getting a triple extension. So your hips, knees, ankles, all extending in a way where that transfers into the bar in an upward motion. Whereas a lot of people think it's a forward motion of bringing your hips to the bar. Um, there's such a t- detail that that explosion of the hip is where you generate all your power from. It's the timing off the floor. It's going slow off the ground, hitting your knees and speeding up at that point. And once you hit the hips exploding up and then pulling under, it's, I, I, I sorry, I get excited even talking about it. It's, it's a pretty cool thing when it, when it happens properly, it's like a golf swing. When you hit it pure, you feel it and you know it. <laughs> So we're going to transition into uh, a fun fact about you. Now, there are a lot of languages to learn. And when we're talking about people and they say, I know other languages, we kind of go through the standard of like, oh, I know French, I know Spanish. It's rare that you would meet somebody who can speak Creole. So this is from your family, right? Yeah. So my parents are from Mauritius. Mm-hmm. Um, great. My background is Chinese, but my parents are from, live in Mauritius. So it's a small island, Indian Ocean off Madagascar. Uh, great melting pot. Um, and Creole is a dominant language there. So it's kind of cool in that when I go to Carabana, when I go to different places, I can speak Creole and people are looking like, Eric, you don't look like you should speak Creole. <laughs> so it always causes some fun reactions and some fun times. And, and just out of curiosity, because you know, when you run into people and you can speak the same language, like how often do you run into somebody that can speak Creole? It happens probably once every two, three months. Um, it happened less this past 18 months, obviously, but whenever I'm taking the go train and going into Toronto, especially, it's always a fun way to interact with people. Well, Eric, thank you for what you shared with us today, taking us through the whole brain PT approach to the four pillars of personal training. And also you shared so many great tips on how to get started in powerlifting. Now, the last question I have for you is what would be one piece of advice you would give a new associate starting out at Good Life Fitness? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, it's be kind and graceful. When we talk about um, the Dunning-Kruger effect, talks about how when you first start learning, you feel as if you know everything. And we see in, in this day and age that people are arguing on social media all the time or with others in the club. So what I found is that in PT, research shows the half-life of facts is about eight years. Mm-hmm. So half of what you learn is going to be proven to be wrong or slightly different eight years from now. So when you take a hard stance, this is the only way, like, for example, keto is the best way to get results, or you have to go carnivore diet, whatever it is, all that could change. So be graceful and be open to learning. I really like that. Eric, thank you again so much for being a guest. Uh, I can't thank you enough for everything you shared today. So thank you. No, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, Tim. That's the show. Thank you again to Eric Wonkai Pun for being our guest today. The Good Life Podcast 30 Minutes With is produced by Rochelle Lowry and the song is by Ketza. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast as we have some great new episodes coming soon. Thank you for listening and stay safe and well. 